You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've been here because of the snow and you know sickness and all that kind of stuff. So it's just good to see everybody out. So great to have you here. Um, and it's been a few weeks since we've been doing this series. So just want to kind of catch up in case some of you are like, I've been missing, haven't been watched online. I mean, who wouldn't want to watch online? It's so great for on YouTube. But in case you haven't. Um, Review the series that you catch up to know where we are, what we're talking about. So we feel like God has told us that this year, right, is going to be a year of confident hope. Remember that that hope that we have that is going to be our anchor this year. That's going to be strong and trustworthy anchor that's going to hold us and carry us through this year, no matter what comes, no matter what storms come. We've got an anchor behind us. And so what we said is, what is that hope in? What are, what is the hope that we have? And hope is always contingent on a promise. It's not like hope, like a dream, like something I want, but that hope is dependent on a promise, and the promise is only as reliable as the promise made. So if God is making us these promises, hopefully he's trustworthy. And so what we've been exploring, what does God actually promise us? Um, and so what, what are we hoping for? And that's the title of the series, what are we hoping for? What are we hope for? Um, and so we've been looking through Hebrews chapter 11 at the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, week one, we talked about Abraham, and that if you trust God, right, that he will bless you, he promises. The Abraham story shows that if, if we trust God with the outcomes of our life, he will bless us more than we can bless us, right? And that your life will be a blessing to the world. You're trying to make a difference, trying to make a mark. That's what God promises. Say, you follow me, your life will count. I'm going to bless you more than you can bless you. That's what God promises through Abraham. Then we turn to Moses, right? And, and Moses' parents, Shana, share a great message that God will always do the most loving thing for you. Moses' parents did what was absolutely, even at the risk of their own well-being. God will even sacrifice himself. We can, we can have this promise. You can't be more loved. God will always do the most loving thing for you. You can have that confidence. And then we last week we talked about Enoch. Right? That Enoch was this guy that was kind of uh, walking, was, was going through life, and one day, oh, right? He's in heaven. God just took him, he doesn't die, he doesn't do anything. He just says, God says, okay, just come with me. And Enoch goes to heaven. And the promise of God is that he said, I'm going to come get you and bring you home. See, that's the, the confidence that we know that someday God is going to bring us home. We all end up home. And it's just such a, a great confidence. You can go back and listen if you've missed some of those messages. Um, but we get to go home forever to be the best home, better than any home you could ever dream of. It's the home we yearn for. So today we're going to look at a new character, a new person, in Hebrews chapter 11. Now we're going to hear the story of Noah. And some of you are like, oh, great, I've heard this story so many times. Uh, but we're going to look at what Noah's faith reveals about God. And hopefully you're going to hear something you didn't know. Like that's my, my goal is to, to share something that you would say, man, I haven't really thought about that as it relates to Noah. Uh, it's probably one of the most famous stories, right, like in history, the story of Noah and the ark and all this kind of stuff. He was the great-grandson of Enoch. We were talking about Enoch last week. And so Noah was the tenth generation of people, like, ever. So you got, like, Adam and Eve, and then you go ten generations, and there you find Noah. So he's pretty early on in the story, okay, really early on. So he's long time ago. So we're going to pick up the story, Genesis chapter 6. The scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Like, follow along. It's Genesis chapter 6. 
And this is what we read. We read this. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Right? Noah was a righteous man. Listen to this. The only blameless person living on the earth at that time. That's pretty high. Like, he's the only one. Imagine being the only blameless person living on the earth. Okay, yeah. I mean, just, just get a picture. We think the world is bad now. Like, think about it back then. Right? It says, and he walked in close fellowship with God. It's interesting, right? That's the only phrase I'll use one other time, and it was Enoch, his great grandfather. The only time that phrase has ever been used. Verse 10 says this Noah was the father of three sons. Again, anybody's having kids, here's some kid names for you Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So you can, if you like those, you can either name your kids or your dog or your goldfish. Okay, it says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Okay? The earth is not a good place. Corrupt, filled with violence. And God observed all this corruption in the world. Listen, for everyone on earth was corrupt. Everyone. Wow. Okay, so God said to Noah, <laughs> this is great, I've decided to destroy everything, all the living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out all along with the earth. So he says, so here's the deal, right? Build a boat, a really large boat, from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. Right? We're talking cruise ship, okay? For those of you who've been on Disney Cruise Lines, right? this is a big boat, 75 feet wide, 40 feet high. Then he says, leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Put the door on the side. I mean, he's being pretty specific here. Guy's being very specific. Put the door on the side, build three decks, a lower, middle, and upper. He says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth is going to die. But I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. And then he, then he goes, okay, now, now just to make it, that wasn't enough. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. And we just say, that's a crazy story. I mean, come on. Really? Like, that's a... It's bizarre. And here's the thing. It took ten generations for humans to completely screw up the world. Like, absolutely. Violence and corruption everywhere except for one man. Noah. Right? Because he walked with God. Noah walked with God. He's the only one. Everybody else has screwed this up. The whole world is garbage. So God decides, I'm going to hit the reset button here. But I can't destroy it all, so then i got to do it all over again. He says, so, how do you, you know, I'm going to use a, I'm going to use this flood. How do you do that and still save the people and the animals? How are you going to do that? And God goes, ah, a boat. Just, for, just so we're clear, God's going to destroy the world and says the solution to save the world is a boat. This is God's idea. A boat. Like I just, that's just, I don't know, I think that's, God could have done anything. Could have created a bubble around him. He says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to build a boat. It's bizarre to me. 
I'd like to point out, as we're talking about boats, Noah's name. Names mean things. I don't know if everybody knows what your name means. You know, my name means God is my judge, which I've always interpreted to mean you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Um, Noah's name means relief and comfort, right? Because his parents prayed that this child, Noah, would somehow bring relief from the painful labor of farming the ground. You can read it in the text. It said when they named him, they named him Noah, which means relief, because they said maybe this child will help us get relief from all this hard work of farming. That's a lot of pressure on a kid to save the world from an, an agricultural economy. Like, we hate farming. Maybe this kid will invent something new for us to do. Right? That's a lot of pressure. But two, what that tells me is that Noah and his family were farmers. They were, they were farmers. This is what they did. They farmed the ground. Plant seeds, you know, dig holes, do all that kind of stuff, grow corn, wheat. I don't know what they were growing, but they were farming the, the, the ground. Now, I have a lot of respect for farmers, right? Some of the most hardworking people on the planet, right? No farmers, no food, right? We know this. We, we, I love farmers. They're, it's incredible what they know about the way the world works. They understand the land and the laws of nature probably better than almost anybody on the planet, right? Farmers understand how the world works. They may have even had some experience doing some woodworking, right? There may be some experience doing some woodworking, building carts or plows or yokes or things like that. Uh, pens for the animals, but I seriously doubt that Noah had ever built a boat before, and certainly not to this scale. Um, here's a pic, a picture of the boat to scale. There you go. You want to go to Kentucky? Some guy did that and actually built it a, a, a replica to scale. You can like tour it and all this. Anybody ever been there? Really? You guys have been there? All right, there you go. So it's it's, it's real, right? That's real. Yes, it's real. All right, so like, if you can see, like, those are cars on the right. Like, this is a bus. Like, you see how big this is. This is monstrous, okay? When God told Noah what he had to do, I have a question for you. How do you think Noah felt about it? Like, God says to Noah, hey, I want you to build this boat. How do you think he's, like... I'm sure he's aware of the state of the world. I'm sure Noah is aware that, guess what? The world is rotten. There's violence everywhere. I think Noah understood, like, hey, the world's not good. I get that God wants to do this reset thing. But despite all that, the idea of God causing a flood that would wipe out literally everything is probably shocking. Like, right, just to hear that, hey, I'm going to flood the world and just kill everything. I'm sure, like, there's a part of you that's like, wait, did I hear that right? You're going to flood the whole earth? And I'm supposed to build a what? An ark? So how is that supposed to happen? Like, and then maybe that confusion turns into being like a little bit overwhelmed, right? Like this is, whoa, are you serious? How big? I'm supposed to build something how big? And wait, wait, God, you want me to collect animals? All of them? All the animals. Elephants, snakes, lions, right? Like monkeys, birds. I mean, this is bizarre. Like absolutely bizarre. And if it were me, I'd probably go from there to like doubt. Like, no, that can't be right. Or, I can't do this. There's, there's no way. This, that's not possible. This is stupid. There's no way that's going to actually happen. I can't do this. I've never done that before. I don't even know how I would do that. And then I think maybe when Noah begins to realize God's serious, maybe he gets scared. Like, God, the idea of a flood covering the earth, that's terrifying. Like, a global disaster the likes of which has never been seen, had never been seen, and has never been seen since. It literally meant death to everything. 
think there's just this mix of like confusion, doubt, overwhelmed, fear, like all those things. I just want to pause for a moment because I think this is our connection to Noah. I do not think God is asking anybody to build an ark. Nobody, all right? If you if you like to build boats, go ahead. But I don't think God is asking anybody to build something that, to that scale. But I do think that there are days where we feel like God is asking us to do things that require too much. That the work that's in front of us is too much for us. The job's too big. The obstacles are too great. Maybe the road is too long. Our capacity is too small. God, I don't have what it takes to do this. God, I, I can't. That's just doubt, fear, overwhelmed, you know, confusion. Perhaps you're trying to balance family and work, right? And uh, you're trying to grow a career and be present for your kids, <laughs> right? Anybody, any spouse, right? Like, and you can take that work trip, which they're sending you, which will give you that great in with the vice president, right? But you're going to miss your daughter's recital. Throw in maintaining your health and trying to be a good church member, of course. Um, and it's a lot to manage. You're trying to do your best, but that's hard. Or perhaps a family member is struggling with a drug addiction. And you're trying to help. And you sacrifice and you give and you support. It doesn't seem to get any better. And the problem seems so much bigger than you have the capacity to solve. Or maybe you're in the middle of life and commitments in an established job and you've got your, you've got everything, everything's in place as it should be and you've got this nagging thing inside going, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else. But how can I get there from here because it'd be so many things we'd have to give up, so many, so many people would affect our family and, and situations, the money, the house, like all the unknowns. It would take, it's too much change to wrap your head around. Or maybe there's just a broken relationship in your life. It's really complicated, and every day you wake up and you feel it, and it constantly affects who you are and what you do, and it seems the harder you try, the worse it gets, and you want it to be right, but the brokenness seems to be more than you can overcome. So there are times in life we sense God is asking us to do something we know is right, but it just feels too much for us. It's too big, too hard, too scary, and I think that's where Noah was. You know, God, I know the world's a mess. I want it to be a better world for my kids and for the future generations, but a flood? Like, you want me to build a boat that's going to survive this devastating flood and gather all the animals? Like, like just think about this. What about, what about Noah's responsibilities to his family? He's a farmer, right? If he spends all his time building this boat and the flood never happens, there's no food at harvest time. He could be risking the lives of all of his family by stepping out in faith and trusting God. This never-before thing is going to happen. So let me ask you, what made Noah go for it? What made Noah trust God? What hope did Noah have that, that prompted him to, and compelled him to attempt this anyway? And I think this is where we're going to come to now. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews wrote this about Noah in his Hall of Fame biography, right? So this is Noah's little piece here in the Hall of Fame of Faith. We read this Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness 
that comes by faith. If I could put this in my own words, here's how I understand the promise that Noah put his hope in, okay? When God prompts us to do something, no matter how impossible or unbelievable or overwhelming it is, here it is, ready? Here's the promise, he will help us. That's the promise. God says, I will help you. I imagine Noah perhaps saying to God here, in that moment when he's got this deciding moment and he's like, I don't know if I can, he's wrestling. In the definitive moment, Noah says this to God, God, okay, I'm going to attempt it. I will attempt something I've never done before. And don't feel qualified to accomplish because I believe you put this on my heart to do. And I believe you will help me do it. You will not prompt me or compel me to do something you will not help me accomplish. See, the help God gave Noah was incredible. You go back and read the story. Listen, it says God, I mean, God provided materials. Noah's not going to cut down all those trees. Except, like, somehow those materials showed up. I've, I've seen, you know, um, what's, what's the movie? Uh, what's it? Evan Almighty. You've seen it. I mean, you know it's, it shows up. Amazon delivers the lumber, right, to his door, right? That's how it works. Um, he provides the materials for a boat that's literally bigger than a football field. Somehow, God does that. He says it, it shows up. He gave Noah the skill to build it. Noah's a farmer, but somehow he, he builds a boat that withstands the, the most devastating flood in history. He sent pairs of every animal. I, I just wish I could have seen that. How many of you like, were like, man, that would have been awesome to actually watch? Like, all of these animals showing up, birds, everything. And the icing on the cake, here's my favorite part. This is the most miraculous thing of all. Ready? God shut the door. You read the story. They're all in the boat, and they're all like, oh. How do we close the door? Oh. It's, it's, it literally says, and God shut the door. Right? They're in there. See, there are things that you haven't even thought about yet that you're going to need help with that God has already prepared in advance for you. There are things you're going to need you, don't even, you haven't even considered. I'm sure Noah, the last thing on Noah's mind was shutting the door. But he gets in and, oh, and God's like, I got it. And the door just begins to shut. Oh, man. Here's, here's the so what. You ready? Here's the so what. You can't have better help than God. You can't have better help than God. You could have the richest person on the planet help you. You could have the smartest person on the planet help you. The strongest person, the most famous person, and none of them can touch what God can do for you. I'm going to back this up with a few scriptures just to underline this in case you're like, Dan, I'm not sure I believe this. Right? Psalm uh, 46.1, I hope this is NIV. It says this. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Right? How, how often is he there? He's ever-present. That's who he is. Therefore, since that, we will not fear. Though the earth will give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Sounds like Noah. Sounds like Noah. God is our ever-present help. Psalm 121 says, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does it come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord, who makes heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never sleeps or slumbers. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. 
These are good verses, yes? This is good. These are promises of God. He is our help, an ever-present help. Psalm 146, this is King David. Listen, he was rich, he was strong, he was powerful, he had all sorts of resources at his disposal, he was wise, he did all these things, and this is what he says. Pick it up in verse three, he says this. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. Pause. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you. King David knew powerful people. He was powerful people. He understood all this stuff, and he says, don't do it. There's no help for you there. There's no help for you there. But he continues, <laughs> when they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. They're fragile. They're people just like you and me, and they've got nothing that you can count on. But joyful, verse 5, but joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. Now listen to the help we are told he gives. We're going to go into a series. Now listen to what it says. This is the, this is the help that God gives. Ready? He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. Pause. Are you fighting for justice in an unjust world? In a world that continually favors the wealthy and the powerful at the expense of the oppressed. Don't give up because God helps with that. God helps with that. He gives justice. The Lord frees the prisoners. Are you someone or do you know someone who is in bondage to addiction, to abuse, to debt, to anything like that? Listen, let me just tell you, God helps with that. He frees those who are prisoners. Verse eight, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Are you trying to find truth or trying to help someone else see God that just seems like there's so much in the way that they cannot see it, that they just can't get past it, they just can't even perceive it? There's a block, there's blinders up, and it seems dark. Let me just tell you, God says, I help with that. I help with that. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind, continues. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. You show me the heaviest burdens, and I'll show you a God who can flick them off. You show me how heavy it can be on somebody, and I'll show you a God who says it's nothing, it's lightweight, I got it. I help with that. I lift up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. God promises again, he will always do the most loving thing for you. Promise, you can know it. Verse nine, the Lord protects the foreigners among us. Listen, God has revealed a special concern for foreigners. We often call them immigrants. It's not political. God is higher than that. If you're trying to protect those who are not from here, God says, I help you with that. I help you with those who are displaced, those who are homeless, those who don't have a place to be. Guess what? I care. I see. I know. I help. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. Perhaps you're moved to care for foster kids, or there's something about children that are abandoned and abused, or widows or single moms, and it's a lot to carry, and you're like, it's overwhelming, and I just... There's just these vulnerable people, and God says, hey, I help with that. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Come on, let's end it. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God who helps. The same God who helped Noah build an ark, gather animals, collect all the supplies, enough food, survive the storm for a year they were in that boat. And listen, everybody who walked in the boat walked off. They didn't kill themselves. 
It was, it was a year that they were together on a boat with animals, seasickness, I'm sure. I mean, they're just floating around for over, it was, it was literally over a year, 13 months. Listen, they didn't have Netflix, didn't have Disney Plus, nothing to entertain them. Like, I don't know what they did for a year, but God helped them accomplish that. They walked out of the boat, they did it. And that same God who helped Noah do that will help you do whatever he prompts you to do that you know is right. He will help you get through school despite your learning disability. He will help you repair that relationship that feels too far gone. He will help you raise those kids in a hostile world. He will help you recover from that heartbreaking loss. He will help us do things no one has ever done before because that's his promise to us. I'm a God who empowers. So, what's our hope factor for the week? Here it is. We're going to come down. So, what are we going to do about that? I'm going to ask Jen to come on up and just play. As you go through your day, what difference does this make when we walk out of here? It's great, you know, it's a great story, Noah, art, animals, all this kind of stuff, boat, flood, whatever. But when we get to the end, when we, when we wake up tomorrow morning, and it's actually only Sunday, so you get to sleep in a little tomorrow. When you get up, what difference is this going to make? Will it make any difference at all? Here's the three, three steps I'm going to give you that you can do that can take this from just an idea and put it in practice. Ready? Here, here's the first one. This. As you go through your day and you sense that there are things that you need to do that feel like they're too much for you, ask for help. Ask for help. For some of you, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. That in itself is hurdle number one because you're too proud to ask for help. I don't need help. I don't need anybody else. I got this. I haven't needed anybody up to this point and don't need them now. God says, hey, we all need help. Even on your best day, you can't do anything meaningful on your own. You have always needed help. I have always needed help. Ask. It confronts our foolish pride. God, we ask for help. And just to be clear, this is not about asking God to help us do our things. Like, hey, God, help me thrive in my career over here so I can get more money and just be here. No. No, no, it doesn't, it's not about us. It's as God prompts you to do things. And you say, God, I, I feel like this is what's right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing about those things. That's where the promise comes in. I'm not saying God won't help us do other things, but that's not the promise here. The promise is when God prompts us to do things that we know are right and they feel like they're too much in those things, ask. God will help you do whatever he prompts you to do. And that's not it. The second thing then, after you have asked, look for that help. Look for it. Expect it. Set your hope on it. Begin to say, okay, God, where's this help coming from? I can't wait to find out today. I need help today. Where's it coming from? Show up, God. I'm going to set my expectation. I'm going to set my hope. I'm going to let that, that promise be an anchor in my life that no matter what's going on, help is coming. I'm Listen, it could be the, the bottom of the ninth inning. We're down by a thousand runs. And guess what? Help's coming. Don't know how it's going to happen, but help is coming. Just got promised it. I 
don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I refuse to give up hope. That hope, that hope may look different than we expect. You probably heard the story of a man who was stuck on a roof during a flood, right? Some, some guy comes by in a rowboat and says, hey, you need a ride? And the guy says, no, I prayed God's going to help me. About 45 minutes later, a powerboat comes by. The whole team, like, hey, buddy, come on. He's like, no, 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 I prayed God's, God's got me. About an hour later, a helicopter. Sir, we're going to rescue you. No, I'm good. I prayed God's going to help me. Blood gets him. He dies. He goes to heaven. God, where were you? You said you were going to help me. God says, I sent two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? See, anytime anyone has ever helped you do something that you know was the right thing that you couldn't do on your own, I kind of have this feeling like that was God. Anytime anybody has helped you do something you knew was right and you couldn't do it on your own, God is in that. That is the help of God. God sends people our ways. God sends circumstances our ways. There are times I want to do something and it's just, there's no way it's going to work out. And then things just work out. It could be a rainstorm on a day that cancels an event because you knew you wanted to be this was the right thing and you couldn't control it and God makes a way. Circumstances can be God. People can be God. All sorts of things. And anytime anybody shows up in our life and it helps you do something, you know what we call those people? We call them God sends. So we call them for a reason because they're God sent. It's His help to us. When you are trying to follow God, it just so happens that help shows up. God is behind it. Here's the, here's the great truth God is behind all the help you have ever had in doing what you know is right. God is behind all the help you have ever had in doing. It's not that person. It's not that people, that family, that thing. It wasn't that check that came through. It wasn't that business. Owner. It was always God. Any help you've ever had in doing something that was too big for you, that was God. We can put names on it and faces on it and things, but it's always been God behind it. Ask for help. Look for help. And finally, when that help comes, I'm telling you, accept it. Accept it. You cannot do the truly meaningful things of your life alone. God promises it. You need to bank everything on the, on the fact, on the hope that God will help you do what you can't do alone. If God helped a farmer build a boat that survived the greatest storm in history and save his family and every living animal, then he can help you do what he has prompted you to do. God is our ever-present help. We can have confident hope in Him. We're going to close with communion. So if you'll take out the cup and the bread, and uh, if somebody can hand me some, Gloria, can you get me one? Thank you. Communion, if you didn't receive it, just raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure that you get it. Jesus did for us and the difference that his sacrifice makes in our lives today. It's declaring that our hope in his actions, what they signify for our future. 
Sharing in communion is actually one of the most hope-filled actions we can do as the church. By receiving the bread and the cup together, we're affirming that God loves us and knows that we need help to know him better. And so he sent Jesus to do that. Jesus was a God sent to us to help us know God better. See, this bread represents the kind of help God gives because God delivers his help in person. Just like Jesus came in the flesh to us, God says, I'm an ever-present help. I'm going to come in person. The bread reminds us the help of God always shows up. It's the incarnate Christ. He comes in person. The I'll come to you kind of help. I'll come where you are kind of help. The cup represents the kind of hope we can have in that help. It's sealed. It's a promise sealed with his blood. No one has ever done more to certify their promise to you. God sacrificed his son so we could trust him. So the promises of God are life-changing. So would you pray with me? We're just going to take a moment now and pray. If you're a guest with us, perhaps you're listening online, wherever you are, and you want a real relationship with God, the real deal, Jesus gave his life to help you do that. Wherever you are right now, encourage you simply invite God to help sometimes that's the best prayer we can pray just Jesus help help wherever you are I ask you to encourage you just to pray that right now say God help me know you in a real way I need you now I can't do this alone God we all have sin in our lives and it keeps us apart from you God I need your help right now truth is God wants to help you even more than you want his help. He hears your prayers and is with you right now. I want to encourage you. As you're praying, that's the prayer of help. Help is showing up. It's coming. He's here. Now let's share communion together. I encourage you. Would you hold the bread? Would you take this bread? If you're a guest with us, you want to be a member of Life Tree. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You are welcome to participate with us. We celebrate it. This in honor of what Jesus has done for us in remembrance of him. Would you just pray with me? God, we thank you for being our ever-present help. God, I thank you for showing up in our lives. Lord, that we are not without hope. But no matter what it is that we've got to do, that you promise to walk with us through to show up. So grateful for the presence our life. We remember, Lord, that you come to us as we eat this today. In your great name we pray. Amen. Would you eat with me? Now let's take the cup and let's pray. God, we thank you for the confident hope we can have in your promises. We're so thankful, Lord, we are not despairing. We don't sit here and look at our future and go, how? Oh, it's impossible. We're overwhelmed. There's no way. But God, we've got hope. This cup reminds us, Lord, that it's it's a promise. It's something we can cling to. It's a st strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. You will never fail. It's something we can hold on to. Thank you for the promise of your help, God. Thank you for that hope.
good name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. agenda and close with a song. The song is called Living Hope. The first verse says this. I love this lyric. Listen to this. It says, how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. Things we were powerless to do on our own, right? In desperation, when I couldn't, when I realized it was too much, God, I turned to heaven and I spoke your name into the night. Jesus, help I love this. Ready? It says, Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadow of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. I invite you to stand. We're going we're to close with that song. Would you sing with us? and let, It's work we could not do. God has done for us. His great help has given us. This great, great hope.